Clubhouse. Welcome to the True Crime TV Podcast, where our hosts cover a variety of these shows, sometimes just one episode, sometimes the whole season. Join us as we get to the bottom of the case together. Okay, walk me through your day-to-day, everything that happened. Well, I always start with my soda. Two pumps cherry, this little punch card. Ran a bunch of errands, blah, 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 all over town. I get home, and I see this truck sort of waiting for me. Couldn't quite see the driver. Kind of heavy, buzz cut. But as soon as I park, this other guy jumps out the passenger side. And he runs to my car, waving this knife around and stuff. Gets in, he says, you're going to take me to the bank, and we're going to get Russ's money right now. So get going. Stuff like that. Russ is as we get to the bottom of the case. No, I don't know any Russ. This is Steph. This is Sheila. This is Colleen. Welcome back to the final episode of The Thing About Pam. This is our finale episode, episode six, titled She's a Killer. Thank you, Sheila, for not giving that away last time. Although it was pretty obvious that she's a killer, but... Yeah, but I didn't want to, like, have you leading into it the whole week and... Yeah. not knowing where this was going so i just wanted i wanted you to like discover it new <laughs> and i did <laughs> from the first second my mouth was just on the floor like what like that look on my face of just disbelief like what is happening i'm so confused i was confused by like the whole thing like is this really happening is this some sort of dream like how is this real life <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> Colleen, I don't know about you, but like the whole time I was watching this episode, I was like, I can't wait to hear from Steph. I can't wait to hear from her. (laughs) Well, I just was like, how are they going to get through it all? And I'm impressed that they really managed to get through it because there was a lot that happened. There was a lot. This episode felt really fast to me. Do we have any idea the timeline of this? Well, he's killed on August 20th, uh, 2016, Louis Gumpenberger. Okay. And she was arrested like three days later. So she's been in prison since 2016. And when was Russ exonerated? 2015? 2015, yeah. Yeah, so not that long a time between him getting out and this all going down. She's so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really like throwing her. My sister is a licensed therapist, and she does not like you to throw around words like psychopath or crazy, but... Those are not to be used lightly, but um, I but think they apply. But in this case, <laughs> I think I they really apply. Feel, yeah, like I feel Has like she not been diagnosed with something? My gosh! I mean, we could like hazard guesses from our true crime backgrounds of a potential yes. diagnosis. Uh-huh. I actually did think, in, like, just for a split second, like, I wonder if she is receiving like mental care in prison because she needs it. I don't feel sorry for her, but I almost feel sorry for her, like, as in that's how crazy this is. <laughs> Like, she needs help. Like, she doesn't know how crazy she is. Yeah. Okay, maybe crazy Did you feel right sorry word. for her, like, a two sec- like for two seconds? Like, oh, my gosh, this woman needs some help. I mean, they were definitely going for that in the scene in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But, honestly, I can feel sorry for a lot of people. I don't know <laughs> if I can feel sorry for her. Same. I mean, I, I joke around that I have crippling empathy. 
okay. Like if somebody in my life is in need of something, like I go out of my way to like right the wrong. Mm -hmm. So I am someone who has an inordinate amount of empathy for people and I could not muster any bad feelings or any like feelings of sympathy or pity for her. Mm -hmm. Just her lack of awareness like her hubris like she just like thought that she was just smarter than everybody else and that it was going to work again this time around no i couldn't no i couldn't muster any no and and i i was sitting there especially when she was looking pretty haggard in the prison and she was saying they're making me out to be like ted bundy i'm like well you're not far off (laughs) like if you're gonna start lumping people into different types of categories that's not a bad category to put her into (laughs) yeah she does it for a different reason, but it's still heinous. Self, it's heinous, still selfish, sure. and it's still nobody matters but her. Right, the narcissism and the psychopathy, like the that's the, what I I was not, I wrote down narcissist and psychopath. Yeah, like those <laughs> not are the two that things I know officially, but <laughs> right, but but just from like looking at a clinical definition and kind of mm-hmm. looking at her behavior, I'm like mm, those are two very good monikers for somebody like her. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad it's all out in the open now. Like we can oh, talk about it freely. Just like we've been hinting that like some yeah. big bombshell has been coming, and like even episode five, like we said it, they're setting us up for whatever the big thing that's going to happen in episode six. And Colleen and I were like kind of like chewing our fingernails, going like, uh-huh. they got so much to they do got a lot to cover in sixty minutes. It didn't go over like it stayed. I I mean, I thought they might have gone over, but because yeah, it was, so was going to be much. a longer episode this time, but it wasn't. Nope. I do have to say I did have to watch the part with Lewis twice mm-hmm. because yeah. I got really confused. Just the details like I, I needed to pay closer attention mm-hmm. to like what was happening. Um, I was kind of taking notes while I was watching it. So the second time through, I just kind of watched it. and It made more sense to me. Yeah, I was wondering how that would play for somebody who didn't know what was happening. Was it clear, Stephanie, what was going on? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I think I was a little bit more confused about the other lady who got in the car. And Carol, I even wrote I in my notes, is. I was like, so when Pam, she, to me, it looked like she put on a costume to go out on this errand or whatever for the day. And yeah. um, and I even wrote down, is she trying to look like her mom? She was trying to look like Kathy. From I know. Dateline. But then she, when she introduced herself, oh, I'm Kathy. I said, oh, okay. She's trying to look like Kathy. But like, even with the scarf, like the scarf for me yeah. is what did it like for, for the Kathy look like. So, I mean, the whole time I'm just a little lost as to what she's going for and then trying to lure someone to this trailer and then it's a hat. Like, it was just completely confusing the whole time. Yeah, I think they were trying to show that she was unraveling, but it also made the whole situation kind of confusing for the viewer, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, it probably was like that, though. And I... (laughs) feel sorry for poor Lewis. My gosh, yeah. he didn't know. Yeah. That's actually my criticism of this episode was that the turn of events that happened to him happened so fast that we didn't even get a chance to really understand him or we didn't get it. He, he didn't get like the respect. I feel like somebody who yeah. is killed at the hands of this narcissistic psychopath deserved. And I feel like that was kind of glossed over real fast. But in the interest of time, I can kind of allow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I felt like they did such a good job of showing Betsy and her life outside of how she died. And we didn't really get that at all. Right. We always saw mm-hmm. like his two little kids. Well, we I learned later that those are his kids. Oh, oh. see, we didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. So like I went back and I was like, OK, why did Pam kill Lewis? <laughs> 
And wow, there's a lot out there. All right, I guess I'll just go into it because now all the spoilers are out. Like, if if, yeah. if you mm-hmm. have not watched this episode, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, first. maybe stop listening now because the spoilers are about to happen. But if you're listening to this podcast, we assume that you've already watched. So I went back to find out some details, and she mentions this note in his pocket in the baggie. Yeah. And so that's where my confusion came from. I was like, but, but like the note, there was like instructions on that note, but we never heard what it was. So it was allegedly Pam's handwriting saying mm-hmm. to kidnap Pam. Everything was called Hup. So kidnap Hup, get Russ's money from the bank, take her back to the Hup house, get rid of her and make it look like Russ's wife. Make sure the knife is sticking out of her neck and you'll get a $10,000 reward. Hmm. So that's what was like scribbled on that note. And it was made out to be Pam's handwriting from what the police said. Yeah, because they they asked Russ to submit a handwriting sample in the precinct. Yeah, so that was, I felt, what was missing to kind of tie up that section a little tighter. But I guess in the interest of time, they had to do a high-level review of of what was going on there. Yeah, I mean, I understand from a suspense standpoint why they wanted all of that to happen in one episode. But it does feel like that it just was maybe not super clear what all was going on because it had to go at such a sort of breakneck speed to get everything in. And like you said, I think it was supposed to feel pretty disjointed because that's at this point how she mm. it's like she was literally just panicking. And yeah. it's like, have you thought about that for five minutes? You'd realize that this plan does not exactly pan out right. Well, like, how did she think that killing Lewis or killing whomever she picked up? And it just happened to be this man who just was Oh, he is textbook definition of wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. But how did she think that killing him would garner sympathy for her? Like, is that what she thought? Like, how would this fix her business? I think she was thinking this would frame Russ and then everybody would feel like Betsy was killed by Russ as well. And then it would get everyone off her back. I think it would make her look like the victim again. in this case. Yeah, yeah the, again, and that she couldn't possibly have killed Betsy because now someone else is coming after her. So she was just thinking that by deflecting the news cycle mm-hmm. off of her, mm-hmm. that that would just... Okay, that makes sense. I think so. But again, she clearly didn't think it through very well since Russ was in Florida and it's in her handwriting and <laughs> know, right? on and on and on and on. I, I did think about, like, did you not think about what his alibi would be? Like, where is he? Well, again, I think it comes down to this narcissism that you touched on, Steph, that she just thinks that she's smarter than everybody else. And just what she was talking about with Mark in the very beginning, just saying that how these stupid killers get caught and they keep stuff and I'm not keeping a driver's license. But meanwhile, she's socking away the thing that's going to do her in. It's a cruel irony. Right. Like, mm. that's that's where I was just like, I was like, she didn't learn a damn thing from those novels, <laughs> from all her murder novels. Although, to be fair, she got away with killing Betsy and killing her mom for yeah. six years or so. And but... whatever lady in Florida, apparently. Yeah, yeah Mrs. Fitzgerald. Poor yeah. one for her. God, she's got quite the body count. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I did sort of like how Mark's character had this, like, sort of look on his face the whole time, like, hmm? What's happening? Like, he, I think he was like, this isn't adding up quite right, but okay. Yeah, his, his face the whole time. He's kind of like, he's got that like side twinge to his eye. Like, like this doesn't sound right. Mm, but he's smart yeah. enough to keep his mouth shut for yeah. the most part. Good call, Mark. <laughs> because, you know, things aren't adding up for him. 
And I just feel um, like it comes back to what we said the last episode, that he's just like a battered husband and he's just browbeaten to the point that he doesn't even want to submit his fingerprints to rule out himself. Yeah. Right? Well, he also saw what happened when Russ cooperated. Right. True. True. Good point. And thank goodness Joel was there because when they first pick Russ up, I'm like, please call your attorney. Please call your attorney. Oh, my God. Russ's yeah. face that whole time in the police station. My heart was breaking for him because, like, talk about deja vu. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice the Arby's bag on the table? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, I, I wrote it down. Good eye. Uh, <laughs> while he's in the interrogation room with Joel, and he's saying that line, Colleen, and he's talking yeah. about the last time that he cooperated, like it pans yeah. back a bit, and there's like this white Arby's there's bag Arby's sitting on the table. Oh, yeah. yeah. Normally I catch stuff like that. I did not mm-hmm. see it. Oh, I tried to be an eagle-eyed TV watcher. I try. It doesn't always work. Okay, I'm going to backtrack for a second. Why impersonate Kathy Singer? That is going to get back to Dateline. Like, that is... Okay, just... Why impersonate her? <laughs> you're just like so frustrated. You're I'm like, so this frust- doesn't make sense. I'm like, Pam, you're so stupid. Like, for someone so smart, you're so stupid. I would do this way better. <laughs> right? How's that for hubris? Like, why even say your name is Kathy Singer? Like, be a different producer from Dateline or right, something. Like, you could be, you know, I don't know, Joan Smith from Dateline. Yeah. I think, like we've been saying, she's just trying to turn the attention to anyone else but her. Yeah. And that if somebody reported seeing somebody from Dateline, then they would mm-hmm. say, oh, it was Kathy Singer, even though, obviously... Kathy would be able to prove what she was doing if she right. was in the office that day or whatever. So she's Do you think not... it's like slightly because she just dislikes her so much? Yes, she's it's like, 100% because she like dislikes revenge, her. Like, yeah. I'm just going to get rid of her too. Or just like drag her into a mess yeah. at, at the very least. Maybe tie her up in other ways and that's yeah. way that she'll leave her alone. Yeah. yeah. Or just True. like she'll have to deal with some sort of mess and that it will be annoying for her at the at, at the least through legally troublesome at the yeah, worst. Yeah, like wasting her time with the cops and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That was my <laughs> assumption. Yeah, so that whole part where she picks up this lady Carol first. We didn't get her name until the very end in that <laughs> adorable twist of macabre fate in the courtroom. So she picks up Carol and... I think, Colleen, I think you touched on this earlier. Like, this was where you're starting to see her unravel. So, like, we're seeing the unraveling happening further with her changing the the location. Like, all the details keep changing about the amount of money and how, like, where they're going and who she's picking up. What else do we need to add to her plan here? Because that's kind of the first bit of the episode, right? Mm -hmm. Or no, because that's, Mm -hmm. no, we see her at the house. Right. Well, she's, yeah, she's doing, she's cutting up this carpet square and she's elusive when she tells Mark what it's for. Baby carpet. Yes, baby carpet. (laughs) I will say when she pulls up to Carol's house, there's another note of a dog that doesn't like her, which is something they've kind of carried through the whole series. She loves dogs. She loves dogs. Dogs don't love her. (laughs) (laughs) Minor detail, really. Minor detail. But she talks Carol into her car and Carol starts paying attention and noticing that the story doesn't add up. And sees the goddamn knife in the back seat. (laughs) But in Carol's defense, she calls 911. But what is she going to say? Like, I got in a car with a crazy lady. Claiming to be somebody from Dateline. Claiming to be somebody from Dateline. Like, Pam didn't actually threaten her. So, Right, she just gave her the the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, so she did what she could, but 
yeah. it was not clear what was going to happen, I'm sure, to her. Yeah, well, I just can't fathom why she would get in the car. I just... Am so, I just... Yeah, like, moral of the story is stranger danger doesn't end when you're a kid. Yes. No, right? And nobody's not. driving around to give you $1,000. No. <laughs> and, like, you know, when you're not. eight, it's candy. When you're... <laughs> 45 it's a thousand dollars tax-free oh my god <laughs> but she very specifically chose a not wealthy area of town to pull mm-hmm. that in oh yeah like she didn't yeah. do it to her next door neighbors well because her next door neighbor you know no i just mean I like she didn't she, she didn't pull it in a similar neighborhood to her right. own no, no no i'm just like <laughs> i don't want to forget talking about minnie because minnie was oh, hilarious oh my this gosh episode. like i said the confused look on my face that started from the very first second it just it was like getting painful i was like okay my forehead hurts like she got in the car like i just couldn't understand that i'm like that is so creepy and when she starts seeing the knife and then she's like, where are we going? Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am shocked that Pam took her back. Honestly, I wrote yeah. that down in my notes like she took her back. I did not see that coming. Right. Like, I feel like there was too much invested at that point to like, yeah, let her at this live. point, like, what does she think that lady? I don't know. Like, I was like, whoa, that's risky. So I was surprised she took her back and let her out of the car. Honestly, she's lucky. Yeah. And then whenever our lovely narrator, Keith Morrison, was talking about, like, picking the weak one out of the herd and all that, I'm like, no, not this guy. Like, I don't know. It just made me sad. Even more sad. I don't know why. Well, I have a soft spot for the vulnerable populations in the world. Don't you pick on kids. Don't you pick on the elderly. And don't you pick on those who can't fully defend themselves. Right. I don't think she knew that, though, did she? I mean, she just saw this guy. Um, But yeah, in real life, I don't know. But in this, they, they, you know, made it look like it was just a kind of a chance thing. And then this conversation in the car with him. And she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, my God. Did the original story have like a little bit more back and forth with them? Yeah, I want to say she'd talked to him a couple of times. I, yeah, I feel like this was much going, more all going down. Yeah, I feel like it was much more um, like it was happened over a few days. Or yeah, weeks. I think it happened yeah. over a few days, mm-hmm. and then like he started wanting to blackmail her because she was oh, the one that was going to pay dang. him. Yeah. What? Yeah. No way. But they obviously streamlined it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that either way, sense. she yeah. took complete advantage of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, worse. that's all on her. Right. I'm not laying blame anywhere at anyone's feet except her. But I do feel that the story, yeah, like Colleen, like you said, like was streamlined a little bit. I think there was a little bit more to their interaction than the, what we oh, saw. Okay. And like I said before, like they had like that paper. It had instructions on mm-hmm. what to do with her. Okay. I feel like if this is my plan to get this guy to attack me in my home so we can shoot him and frame him. I would have had a better script for my 911 call. (laughs) I would have written it out. Bam. I would have practiced it once or twice. (laughs) Wait, are you trying to say that we're more prepared for this podcast about her downfall than she was about her own 911 call? Yeah, I don't. I mean, come on. Really? Help, help. <laughs> yeah, hello. That's how she starts. Help. Yeah, hi. Hello. Well, and also help. not talking before the operator, because mm-hmm. I guess, because she didn't realize that they recorded, I think, from the minute the line connects. Yes. Even yeah. b- even before, like, an operator would say something. So 
she was not panicking ahead of time like she would be in a real emergency. Right. Like, yeah, the 911 call is happening in progress of whatever you're dealing with. So, you know, there's obviously conversation or something that's happening at that point. But, I mean, I got to credit Detective Hilke, Brian Hilke. He arrived yeah. on the scene, and he was a competent law enforcement officer. We have not yet seen one of yeah, those. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I just, like, I appreciate the fact that he picked up immediately, like, while driving to the scene where, like, the adrenaline's hopping up. And he's just like, can you play that back again? Like, there's mm-hmm. something off. And I just found the irony of how full circle this became with Russ's 911 call and how they said how fake it sounded. And I just I I just appreciated the irony there. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell was she doing when the detective arrived? Was she making, making her a lunch, sandwich? I believe, yes. <laughs> there's a whole mess of vegetables on that chopping board, guys. She's like, oh, yeah, there's a guy. Sorry, I took care of that for you. I took care of that already. <laughs> And yeah, so that's when she tells the detective that there was a baggie in his pants. Like, that's a bit of a detail that's a little beyond your reach there if you didn't plant it on him. Yeah, she was not terribly subtle. No. Yeah. The story, I mean, it has to be an unraveling. I mean, that's the only ex- explanation for how, like, ridiculous this whole scenario is. Because whenever um, she's, like, describing what happened and she said, this guy came up to my window and knocked on the door and like, give me Russ's money. And she's like, I don't know any Russ. Yeah, the fact like, that she denied knowing Russ. You don't think the detectives know that? Like, well, like that's this. where Minnie comes in to be so ha- you yeah. know, helpful and <laughs> with her. I loved it. Thank you, Minnie. She's like, I heard Pam, Pam shot somebody. <laughs> it was just amazing. <laughs> Although she didn't do herself any credit when talking to the detective and start going half cocked about her dead squirrel. <laughs> yes, Mr. Bushy. Mr. Bushy. He's like, he's, he's like, who? Who? <laughs> what? You're talking about? But yeah, that that entire exchange. And then that's when the cop realizes that it's Pam Hupp and that's where he Mm -hmm. knows her from. I appreciated how well the cops handled everything as opposed to the last time. I thought they did a really good job. for sure. And then the cop is like, we're going to be on Dateline. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't tell if he was happy about that or not happy about that. I don't know. He was kind of like even about it, but it was just like, oh shit, we're going to be on Dateline. I don't think I would be happy about it. I do not want to be on Dateline. Yeah, I don't try to be on TV. Um, yeah. One time I was interviewed for like the St. Patrick's Day parade. I was about seven. It's like, <laughs> we're supposed to be sick from school today, Mom. Yeah, right? <laughs> and yet. You're putting me on the news. Yeah, Mrs. Lang is going to see us on TV tonight on NBC News. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about how great the St. Patrick's Day parade is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like anytime you're going to be on TV, it's especially if it's Dateline, it's never going to mm-hmm. be good for you. Probably mm-hmm. not a good thing. In, like surprisingly just cringe worthy awkward on camera like it's so bad like you think i'm bad on a podcast wait till you no, yeah in person. like this is why i do podcasts <laughs> is because there's no camera pointing at me like watching like it is i freeze up like i'm so awkward i used to work for a marketing agency and they would be like do you want to be in this commercial I'd be like no please don't mm-hmm. make me and then they would like put me in and then they'd be like okay how about you go sit back over there i'm like thank you like i told you i'm not gonna wait 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 back up a second I happen to know that you're very photogenic because your face was on a billboard in Times Square. Okay, but I was not a video. Okay. It was not. Fair enough. Like, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to. And it was to, all for like... good things. I promise you. Wait a second. We're talking about Dateline yeah, yeah, Show. Yeah. Like, no, it was a good thing. <laughs> have you seen this woman? Uh... <laughs> of course. 
No, I because I didn't have to say any lines or like it was just a billboard. So it's a picture, right? Like you don't have to say anything. If there was a camera right here pointing at me, this podcast would be way horrible. But since there's not, I feel like I do okay. Pretty good, right? (laughs) There is a reason I wear black and hang out backstage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do not want to be like this is definitely not a voice for podcasting. This is definitely not a face for TV. All right, so we're back to this money question again. So, sorry, back on track. So the cops, like, ransack her house, right? And then she's like, oh, my God, the safe, right? She runs upstairs. Pam is so upset that, that, you know, the cops stole a bunch of crap from her house and then, like, the money from her bedside table. She is so affronted by the fact that, like, this money is taken that she has to, like, go check on her babies in the safe. Did you see all that money in the safe? I mean, that was a big safe, and it was stacked full of, like, stacks of of hundreds. And then she writes Travis this check for 122 grand. Did you guys notice her wearing her puffy jacket? Yes, I called it the money jacket. (laughs) Did you see what she wrote in the check? Did you see the date? No, I didn't see the date. It was August Uh -uh. 20th, 2016, so it was, like, the same day. August in Missouri. Are you going to be wearing a puffy coat? Yeah, I will say just as a note overall on the whole series, I would have appreciated a a bit more in the way of date and time cards just because it covered a pretty wide range of time and it would have helped me keep everything a little more clear. They just did like August 2016 or whatever. I haven't watched the final cut episodes because we get a screeners right so we get this like right. a little bit ahead of time to watch and we don't get the finished product and they they say it all the time and caroline and paul have actually said that like they watched like a this is us screener like sometime last year or the year before the screener was and they did the podcast on it and then the final aired one was completely different like they did like a massive edit oh and God. so they did the podcast on the screener one and people are like what the hell are you people are talking, you talking about, about? <laughs> so like we always have to preface it by saying we don't always see the final product and sometimes like you'll actually see colleen like inserts where it says like insert vfx here yeah no mm-hmm. I'm, yeah mm-hmm. so we might just be not getting like the finished product with title cards gotcha but yeah. it's entirely possible that there aren't any either yeah but yeah through the whole series especially yeah. like with the rest in the trial i wasn't sure how long that all lasted and yeah no definitely you my husband is going to start watching the series tomorrow when the last episode airs because okay. he, he's like, I, I, I he hate watching. <laughs> he does. He's like, you know, it's like, I'm not done yet, you know, so I want to watch that. So he, he's like, can I watch screeners? I'm like, no, it's too hard to like coordinate this. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> like you could just watch it on TV like normal people. My husband wants to watch it. I'm like, I watch it literally like on my phone or on my I know. There's like, nothing... I don't watch it on a TV. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing pretty about how I do these. Like, I'm yeah. sitting with like, my son's Taekwondo the other day <laughs> watching yes. this. Like, trying to show not people like me. Like, don't look yes. at my phone. So, sorry, back to Pam. Where did she take all the money that she hid that night? I want to know where it is. Does Mark know where it is? Did Mark get some of it? I'm going to say no. Okay, is it still there? Like, to this day? Does she know where it is? Like, did she get it? Where is it? Where's the money? I mean, she had to pay those attorneys somehow. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like he waited a long time to divorce her, like in real life. Did he know? He had to know that she had all that cash because he saw the safe. Did he get half of her money? She was arrested in 2016, August of 2016. Yeah. So he filed for his divorce in September 2020. Why mm-hmm. did he wait so long? Maybe he divorce. was combing the house for the like hidden cash yes. stashes. Yeah. Did still you lives read in the that house. he still lives there? That's so a little maybe... weird. 
that's super weird. Would you keep living in a house where somebody was murdered? Well, I mean, you don't know if someone's murdered in your house unless you were there. But I'm just saying, well, yeah, I wouldn't you live know. in the house that my ex-wife, <laughs> like this, <laughs> that whole scenario. No, Talk about but ghosts. Like, yeah. But also, like, who would buy it? So maybe Agreed. he's just figuring. Like, ride it out until, like, yeah. the. Uh... Things have settled down a little more. Yeah. <laughs> Until they're not making podcasts. Renee Zellweger stars. <laughs> He's going to have to uh, wait until at least Emmy season next year because, you know, people are tossing around Emmy nominations, right? You know, about this yeah. show. And like you said, Colleen, everyone loves the transformation. So mm-hmm. they have to wait it out. They have to write it out. So I hope that marriage number two is better for Mark. So like the last third of the show kind of deals with the legal end yeah. of things. Which I appreciated the like final updates of like this is what happened to Leah Askey that kind of stuff I I wanted to know so I was happy that that was at the end but sort of circling back to like the sort of where we are in the episode man this phone call to Russ I felt so bad for him like dude he's like what (laughs) you need me to come back in I was like no again I was so happy to see Joel there I was like please have called your lawyer please call your lawyer (laughs) like learn from your mistakes in the past so my initial take on that was that there was nothing particularly floridian about his setting Mm -hmm. so at first i was kind of like is he really in florida i'm not sure because it was just so nondescript it was just like a park somewhere but then like when joel was there and had all the documents i was like okay good thanks like like, i wanted russ to have something so airtight because (laughs) this woman and her She's like a cat with her nine lives of escaping, you know, any kind of like prosecution or suspicion yeah. or anything that it was. Just, and it was so easy to just blame him. Right. Because the way that his past had gone with Betsy, with all the fallout yeah. from that and that he'd already served time. So like he's already technically a convicted felon, quote unquote. Right. Even if he was exonerated, but he still did the time. Yeah. So I was just I was so nervous. I'm like, no, I need to see like something iconic. Like, I don't know, like that bridge in clear water, you know, something that <laughs> like definitely looks like Florida for me to have felt good about where he was and making yeah. sure that okay. that alibi was so airtight. I yeah. think that was just a they filmed it all in one area yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just needed I needed a little reassurance, you know, that this was going to go well for Russ because this yeah. was where it was getting fuzzy for me like the very end of this podcast, the original podcast, the thing about Pam was getting fuzzy for me here. And I kind of yeah. saved myself from like looking to see until the very end. Mm-hmm. After I'd watched it. Yeah, so we see Russ in the precinct, we get him cleared, which is good, get him out of there, and then we see Pam talking to the detective in her interrogation. And what did you think of that scene? Of course, she's just trying to play it cool. She's so good at that, just, I don't even know what you would call it, just obnoxious manipulation of like, well, I can't read this, I don't have my readers. I mean, she's just not going to give them an inch. Oh, I loved that setup, though. Yeah. You know, I got them in Dollar Tree. I thought that was a really artful way that the detective, you know, he started backing her into a corner. So I kind of thought the interrogation was hilarious, even though it shouldn't have been, with the different layers of how she was being backed into this corner. Like, there was no Leah there to help her out, right? There's no convenient narrative here that the this is the husband killed the wife. We're, like, we're buttoned up, ready to go. We got our suspect. And you no know, one's looking at anyone else. That's all gone now. And then the improvements to the cell phone tracking, and she was dismissing all yes. of that. Oh, my gosh. And her eyes just kept getting crazier. And then the serial number sequ- sequencing. I was like, Ugh. oh, you are so cooked, lady. 
<laughs> I'm surprised she kept her composure so well because I don't, I don't think I would have. Well, I mean, if you like her eyes, her eyes were just like darting all around and she was blinking a lot. You could just tell the panic like waving up inside of her. That's what I took yeah. that to be. Yeah. You definitely saw the like bravado of the I'm smarter than everyone. I think it was when he said that line about the cell phone technology that you kind of saw it crumble finally, mm -hmm. that she finally was like, oh. Like the chink in the armor, right? Yeah, like, that oh, I did in the money sequence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, he delivered that one last. That was like, yeah. that was the... But the, the, the cell the phone blow. sort of started it, yeah. yeah. Then the, mm -hmm. the sequential money finished it off. Well, yeah, because she was dismissing, well, dollar trees are everywhere. Like, yeah, they grow on trees. <laughs> I did her, love, I was like, her huh? line, not mine. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just liked how they were circling the noose, so to speak. Okay, so then the attempt in the bathroom. I have a question. <sighs> Is Joel's summation correct about her when he says that she's too narcissistic to kill herself? <laughs> 100%. I'm sorry, I should not laugh. It's it's, uh, it's terrible, but I mean, this is just... She's a more terrible person than the fact that that's terrible. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like I should I laugh, but um, I can't help it. I didn't take it that way until he said that and pointed out that, like, she was just buying herself some time and getting, like, out of this exact situation at the moment. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Well, I think screenwriting-wise, they were trying to get, make you feel a little sympathy for her there, because there was, you know, the, like, close-up on her face while she's contemplating doing it. And I think they were trying to give Renee a moment of, like, pathos there, and I just, I can't do it, so. Yeah. I thought I saw a tear on her cheek. I think in the interrogation room when she like put her head down and she was like trying to sneak the pen, I think. I, think I thought they, I saw something too. Yeah, yeah, I thought I saw a tear on her cheek and then I don't know. God, that was hard to watch. I don't like watching stuff like that though. <laughs> but to do that to yourself is just ugh. Yeah, with a ballpoint pen, like ugh. I have to cut then. It was, it's terrible. It's, it was terrible to watch. Like, I mean, just the, words. just the sound that that made. I was just like, Ugh, I could do without that. I wrote gross. On yeah. 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 Like my face is like what it sounds like right now. It's like, oh, that was nasty. But I, I like that then the, the cutaway then that they're in court and Joel is sitting with Kathy and Russ and Nate <laughs> is in between them. And I just like this conversation back and forth again, I should not have laughed because it's terrible. But this show is doing dark humor so well that mm -hmm. I just couldn't help but burst out. And again, like I, like you, Steph, like I watch this on my phone or my iPad. And I've got headphones in and I'm just like laughing wildly to myself. And my poor family's <laughs> like, yep, she's at it again. But yeah, so Joel is saying that she's too narcissistic to kill herself. And Kathy almost looks dismayed that like she missed all the major arteries in her neck <laughs> from both sides. Well, she felt where they were. Did you notice that? Like, she yes. was, like, feeling on her neck. So she, she's like, okay, there's the artery. Let's not hit that one. Like, Well, that's why I had to go back and watch it again. Because after they said that, I was like, oh, let me let me go see what she did. Because I wasn't understanding necessarily like where that was all going. I mean, like, I had a feeling that that's where it was going. But I just, I wanted to be surprised. So I didn't kind of, like, think about it. But I went back to watch. And, yeah, she's literally feeling, like, where the pulse is going up her neck. Because there's a lot of, like, important things right there. We both are like cringing, like, Ooh. like <laughs> so Colleen, so Steph and I cover Yellowstone. Um uh -huh. and we've we've gone back and we've done all the seasons, right? So we went back in time and we basically covered it from season one all the way through to the current thing. And 
there are so many instances in the show where we're kind of like, I don't know if I want to talk about that because that was just, Ugh. it was gross. gross. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't bones, usually. Bones protruding through things. But, yeah. Yeah. See, exactly. That's kind of where I was at with that whole like neck stabbing yeah. thing. Because like we're, and we're partial to sounds as well because like we do yes. listen to it like with headphones and stuff. Yeah. So. And honestly, there was more sound than anything else because the way yes. they had her hand, you don't really see yeah. her neck. Right. You see the yeah, bloody pen really and you yeah. hear the sound. So and there's it, it the really drips in the sink, right? And the drips in the sink. Yeah. It's really not like visually that gory, but it's yeah. very clear what's going on. Oh, yeah. My sister is an RN and she like was all about those like TLC like surgery shows and doctor. And I'd be like walking the room. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, oh, those shows stop. are awesome. What are you talking about? No, like, life in the ER? Awful. Oh, no. Yes. Cannot watch any of them. Like, that is so gross. Oh, that's awesome. That's, well, if it's not I've happening never... to me, I'm good. <laughs> like, I would make a terrible nurse because like, you know, feeling for veins like, would just make me hit the floor. Like, if I had to feel for a vein. <laughs> There's blood. Oh god. No, no, I'm good with blood. I'm good with I'm good with blood. Vomit. I nope, Mm -mm. I'm good with it all. Nope. But as long as I'm watching and not participating, great. So then we get the cut to her in the courtroom with the with the bandages. So how long was this? Like what? A week later? Yeah, it can't have been that long. Well, it had to be after arraignment because she had entered in this plea. And I love how everyone just came back to watch. Well, but I don't think they knew she was entering the Alfred plea. No, they didn't. But I mean, I I like that everyone kind of came back like, let's see what happens now. I'll start with Steph, but I want to hear both of you. What did you think about her behavior on the stand? She seems smug to me. She didn't have to say yeah, much other than... Because the, the Alfred plea means she's not admitting guilt. So to her yeah. mind, she still is not guilty. Yeah. Like this is just a technicality then that she's... Yeah. Exactly. And so she's sitting... She just seemed smug. Like she had this sort of like little weird smile on her face. And she's like, as the judge's, judge is asking her, like, do you understand what this means? She's like, yes. Yeah. Like that she... It was like so disconnected and just like... Yeah, it's fine. I'm good. Like but no remorse or any face, like yes, care. Her face yeah. was just like you said it's smug. Like she had this smile on her face and I just wanted to slap it. It's like, shut up, you killed a man. Yeah, I'm sort of surprised they let her do that plea since they had all the evidence you would need. Hmm. She didn't have a lot of cards. Does the judge have to allow that? I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> so I did some research. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a form of a plea. So it's named for Henry Alford, who was from Forsyth County in North Carolina, and he was indicted for first degree murder in, back in 1963. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. So this form of a plea has been around since 1970 or available since 1970 when it was ruled by the Supreme Court. So the conviction in North Carolina in 1963 of first-degree murder would have automatically carried a death sentence Mm -hmm. unless a jury recommended something less, which would just be life in prison. That's the only two options that they had. So he claimed this... Uh, Henry Alfred, he just claimed that he was innocent, but the prosecution had significant evidence of his guilt. So his defense attorney advised him to plead to the crime of second degree murder because the feeling was that there was strong enough evidence would lead to a conviction no matter what. So if he pled to the lesser charge, that he would be avoiding a death sentence. Mm -hmm. So he continued to maintain that he was innocent, but he didn't want to go to the chair. So he agreed to this lesser plea 
and he was sentenced to 30 years in jail, which at the time was essentially a death sentence anyway. So after he was convicted and sent to jail, he appealed and he argued that the conviction should be overturned because the nature of the plea itself was coercive in nature. So the Supreme Court said that in its ruling that the court said that the trial judge in Alfred's criminal case was appropriate in having accepted the defendant's plea of guilty. And the decision to plead guilty while maintaining his innocence was still a reasonable choice to have been made at the time. So there have only been 30 people besides Pam who have invoked the Alfred plea since 1970 so in 52 years there's only been 31 people who've done it in the whole of the u.s in the whole of the u.s yes is it again like a way to buy more time because you just said that alfred guy was going to appeal so is she like well, that he was appealed his the own conviction because he mm-hmm. was just like whoa, whoa, whoa i was coerced into this so like i guess he changed his mind but even if he changed his mind the other option is the death penalty right i'm just trying to understand her end game if she's agreeing to life in prison it's just better than being than convicted execution. of it i guess in yeah, her mind I, I don't know i wonder if it's a way to do a plea deal Because my understanding of the way plea deals work is, you know, the prosecution says so that we don't have to go through the trouble and expense of a trial. You know, we offer you something, you plead guilty. But I guess if they didn't offer her anything, this is a way for her to plead guilty without pleading guilty. Right. And then you're you're pleading guilty in front of a judge and not a jury. So Mm, you only have one person to make a decision. Right. I guess as opposed to 12. Yeah. It's just very interesting. This is yeah. where I am, not a lawyer. So. Right, I know. Again, Steph, you know, where's Mike? Know. We need Mike where's on this. Mike? We, got a little, we got a lawyer in the house, and he's, he's, he's always in a different room. <laughs> <laughs> well, my lawyer just says, oh, I'm not that kind of lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah that, that, that's yeah, what right? I get from any lawyer that I know. Like, that's not my Scoop branch of, of practice. law. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you had to study this at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up the show. It does feel sort of anticlimactic. Yeah. So that's the end. Like, basically, she's only, I guess, in trouble for the murder of Lewis. Until. Um, but then. Until. Dun, 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 plot twist. Did we feel bad for Leah at all? No. No. Okay. Okay. I was trying, I was trying to see if my humanity was, you know, mine alone or, <laughs> or my lack of humanity was mine alone. But we did get to check in with Tina, which was nice. Yeah, I'm glad she's still around and working hard. Honestly, like the sort of end cap on Leah and the sort of sentence across the screen that says she's being investigated for misconduct, that honestly made me feel better. Because, <laughs> you know, I've said mm-hmm. earlier in the, our podcast that that makes me very uncomfortable that it could just be that blatantly that badly easy, prosecuted. Right? Yeah. To be in trouble, like convicted of something you didn't do. I mean, if you want to feel really unhappy, John Oliver did a big thing on how prosecutors kind of run things for themselves. So if you've got a good one, great. If you've got a bad one, then it's bad. That's very scary. Yeah. So that did. It made me feel better that and that Mike Wood won the election. And I was like, okay, this this makes me feel better about the state of things in Troy, Missouri. No, they did a nice job. They because they yeah. they showed they said Russ and Carol. Are, are, we, are we just going to kind of run through everybody? Yeah, I guess yeah, now. Yeah. So like Russ and Carol are apparently together, which is very sweet. Mm. Is this like uh, a misery loves company kind of a thing? Like uh, just like or maybe an understanding. You're in both in very weird circumstances. Yeah, like yeah. They, they both. Um, kind of ran up against the weirdness that was Pam Hup and nobody else would understand. And they survived. They lived to tell the tale. 
Right. Carol, especially. I mean, yeah, Russ went to jail and that's horrible, but we've already dealt with all that. Like, I'm still processing Carol getting into the car. You know, I'm like, I'm teaching my eight-year-old son about stranger danger and we have like all all new and different opportunities to keep reinforcing the same lessons. And this will definitely be one of them. (laughs) Do not get into a car with anybody. I don't care what they offer you. Russ is doing okay. Mark has, we've said, finally divorced her and is apparently with somebody else, it said on the Chiron. And the girls seem like they're doing okay. That made me sad that it said Russ still hasn't had any contact with them. That's one of those, like, we know what's presented in the show, but we don't know what their life was like before Betsy's death. Like, I'm sure it's just a completely fraught situation. Yeah. I mean, how do you have Easter dinner with somebody or whatever dinner, you know, Easter's just this coming weekend with someone who was on the stand saying that, yeah, you you cuss and you scream and, and ultimately that helped send you to jail. Like, that's a hard thing to forgive. And if you even if you could forgive it. I guess it would be hard to bridge that again. Yeah. I could find forgiveness in my heart, but I may not be able to extend that olive branch. Right? Like there's there's different kinds of forgiveness. Yeah, there's forgiveness and letting it go and just moving on. I just hope that he's in a good place because this has just been like watching this unfold and all the different conversations that we've had about it. I just felt so bad for him. And the fact that he did go to jail for something he didn't do, it's frightening. It really is. I hope he got a, gets a chunk of whatever money was in her safe. I just want her to get a, right. to get a chunk of that just as a, a wrongful whatever against Pam. I don't have the word, but wrongful suit, I guess, would be yeah. against her. Mm-hmm. The daughters, they never got any money. No, they never yeah. got anything. But it did make me happy to see that Pam was charged with Betsy's murder in 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back to wrap up this because this is juicy, so she pleaded not guilty, shock and horror, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was a hearing that was set for February of 2022, which has been postponed now indefinitely because oh. Pam's public defender died of a heart attack like right before the hearing. Isn't there someone next in line to be assigned her case? I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. But yeah, postponed indefinitely doesn't sound good. But I have a feeling that Mike Wood is not going to let this go, seeing as how his whole reelection was, was staked on it. Hung on that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I will be tuning in to Pam Hop updates. I do, I'm still subscribed to the Thing About Pam podcast from Dateline. So, I did get a couple of little updates about this show coming out. So, um, I'm sure that as. <laughs> As more the situation Pam, warrants, as uh, some more huppity information comes available. Speaking speaking of huppity, what did you uh, at the the very end of the show? What did you think about all that real uh, news footage? I actually wrote in my notes that the casting was really spot on. Yeah, and she's a a bleeping freak. <laughs> what I wrote in my notes. And they really copied quite a lot of her outfits, almost exactly. Yeah. And even the conversations. The yeah. black and white shirt that I said that I have that is similar to that is now outside my front door waiting to go out tomorrow to the donation truck. That's funny. <laughs> I have I have cast aside anything that would remind me of this crazy woman. It's a little too huppity for me. A little too huppity. And can I tell you any? Oh, the spell check in my phone. Mm-hmm. Huppity Still going is going off, to huh? stay with me for a while. You're going to have to clear your cash or something. Yeah, that cookies. doesn't work. That doesn't work because, like, you know, shows that I covered like three years ago are still coming up in my autocorrect, and I've cleared Uh-oh. out that cash a couple of times. So, although I'm this not, was... I'm not mad about it. Huppity is pretty funny as an autocorrect, yeah. and a couple of times I've had to go back and fix it because, like I said, happy is now being replaced <laughs> with uppity. Huppity. <laughs> 
I did like some of the things that that newsreel at the end. So, you know, when she says, say hi to Kathy for me, like Renee Zellweger, she kind of nailed her voice, Mm -hmm. not even just the accent, but like the timber of her voice even. Because I had to like sit up and like kind of like, wait, was that from the show? Because it was so spot on, especially that like that line about Kathy. Mm hmm. And yeah, like this is where she was kind of skipping out of court, and I did see yeah. kind of like that buoyancy, and I was just like, "You are a terrible human being. You are despicable." So that kind of brings us to the end, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's it. Like we got the newsreel footage, and dang, they were spot on about <laughs> about Pam. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if we wanted to kind of wrap up in like a broad kind of way, we've got six episodes now. What are your takeaways from the show, or final thoughts on the show? Again, this is such a sprawling story, and I think they did a good job overall of fitting it into the six episodes, but I do wonder if they were relying a little bit on people having listened to the podcast or heard a little bit about it, because again, I felt like in places it could have been clearer just because it was such a sprawling, weird story. Mm-hmm. And maybe, Steph, you can speak to that because you were coming into it fresh. I really appreciated the work they did on getting, letting us get to know Betsy and her family. I wish we'd had a little more time uh, with Louis Gumpenberger just from a, mm, he was a victim in this. And I felt like we didn't get to know too much about him. And the last episode kind of ends and you're like, oh. Right. Like there's more to him. What about you, Steph? Um, sort of like the, the 50,000 foot view of the show. Yeah. I mean, as someone who didn't know the story, I think that all of these six episodes made sense and and went sort of in order and gave me the whole story, essentially. Like, I may not have known all the little details, but it did a good job of giving me enough. And then, like, at the end where we've wrapped up sort of the real-life story, I was like, okay, those all made sense based on what I've seen. So I think they did a great job. And as far as, like, this is just something different for me. I don't, I like to talk about comedies or dating shows or anything like that. Um, So to talk about murder, and and mayhem it's like it's it was really enjoyable too though it was not i do like suspense so this was crazy to me that this is real life that's probably what makes it scarier (laughs) that this is real life um but it it was fun to podcast about this just because it's sort of a side of things that i don't usually spend time thinking about so (laughs) thank you guys for including me on your crime uh, true crime murder true crime murder <laughs> things yeah. that you guys discuss so i appreciate you sort of spelling it out for me too like well this is how it normally happens or here's these definitions so um <laughs> but it, thank you she loved i enjoyed the, the show yeah and i oh, like yeah, I that's said, my I, mo <laughs> yeah if there's anything I, that's just kind of like hmm what does that mean or where did that come from yeah, yes that's in my search history. I was now, now I'm spreading it out. I'm spreading it out on different computers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like I said, too, like we've discussed a little bit too, that this sort of felt like a dark comedy in a way that we couldn't quite tell if they were just telling the Pam Hupp story or if they were sort of adding in a little, you know, flair. And we had some, you know, sort of dream sequences and things like that. That part of it, I really enjoyed as well, as far as like the production of the show and things like that. So that made it fun, more fun to me too. It's not often that you can say that you had fun talking about right? murder. No, I but had fun I, in watching the show. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it, it's because it's so not a typical true crime story because of all of this like fantastical element that this narcissistic personality brings. It does make it kind of like 
is this real? Are they taking liberties? But I mean, for the most part, like Colleen and I, the, you and I have been going back and forth these last couple episodes going like, yeah, they're kind of going real close to the story. Like I didn't feel like there was a lot of artistic liberties being taken because I do remember so many of these details. Yeah, I think they stayed very close to at least what was presented in the podcast in terms of events and where they brought in like feelings and emotions that all felt logical. So right. that I like I mm-hmm. think they did. And again, I think they did a good job of letting us know these people on sort of a human level more than you can do in a Dateline episode or a podcast episode. And that's where, you know, theater and more fictionalized things can really shine. So that was that was a nice addition, I thought. I'm going to agree with Colleen's statement from earlier that I think they did rely a bit, especially in these last two episodes, that you know the story. This episode in particular, because it moves so fast and it moves so quickly and there was a lot of details, even just including the details from like the letter in his pocket, like so much was made of that letter, whatever that thing was in his pocket, to not get the payoff, that for me was a bit lacking. And I don't want to say it's bad storytelling, but it made it confusing for someone like me who did know the story. I can only imagine for people who are kind of watching this without knowing the backstory that like that's a kind of a crucial detail like you're you're really trying to set somebody up in a really bad way and to not kind of hear that or even see it to see like the handwriting comparison right like there's yeah like well that must be why they showed that letter in the bar right so that mm-hmm. you could draw yeah. that conclusion right yeah i mean they made the decision clearly to keep all of this to the last episode so that it was the like shocking twist yeah but that meant that they then had to cover all of that in the last episode right. so i do think it got a little squished this could have maybe benefited from 10 or 15 minutes more in this one episode not a full episode more but like maybe just like an extended one because there's really nothing from this one episode the last episode that you could kind of move to anywhere else because it's all part of that that shocking twist that she said that's the problem you can't do 15 or 20 minutes of it in episode five and then leave it all and then because then you give away the whole game so right I mean, I'm not mad at it, but like I said, like, I think it, it relies this particularly this last episode, like everything else up until this point. I'm like, nope, you did not need to know anything about the story. But I feel like people who've kind of seen behind the curtain before with the story have kind of benefited a little bit more from this last episode. But I think overall, this was a fun series to watch. Again, it's true crime, <laughs> so it's horrible. But the dramatization, the bringing to life of this weird lady that i've only sort of heard snippets about her like her actual words in the, in the original podcast um it was very interesting to kind of see her brought to light and and her story be told i'm not going to say humanize her because she's a monster but it did humanize those around her so that's yes good. like i yeah. felt bad for her daughter i felt bad for her husband i felt bad yeah. for the people who her actions her narcissistic actions have ended their lives tragically or ir- irrevocably altered the course of their lives russ being one person even her mother so her mother even gets a bit of a a day in court here at the very end her mother's death certificate was amended following all these events from accidental to undetermined it's being investigated as part of the faria case which i was happy to see i don't know it's just very interesting to see how badly somebody can go off the rails And like we're sitting here watching it for entertainment. But at the same time, like I do feel a lot of remorse for the people who she affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I'm just glad finally that justice got served. Yeah. Even if she didn't admit to it, just the fact that she's going to be in jail for the rest of her life and not out there makes me happy. Yeah, I think that about covers our last and final episode of The Thing About Pam. Like I said, this was really fun to discuss with you ladies. And um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know in the comments or on Twitter if you have anything to add. We definitely would love to hear from you. So thank you guys for listening. This is Steph. This is Sheila. This is Colleen. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.